This is our fifth session on 1 Thessalonians 5.23-28, and our focus will be on Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may you and may your whole spirit, soul, and body, including your your lips, be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Father, as we ponder this greeting with a holy kiss, teach us the kind of thing that we need to know today. And not just teach us ideas about affection and holiness, but create in us the kind of Christian filial bonds and affections that would result in appropriate expressions of holy affection and tenderness, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one might be tempted to say, oh, he, he felt there was a special need in this young church at Thessalonica that they be given special instructions about not letting their culturally common kisses be anything other than holy. The problem with that is that this this command is repeated here, Romans 16, 16, greet one another with a holy kiss at the end of Romans, 1 Corinthians, all the brothers send you greetings, greet one another with a holy kiss, 2 Corinthians, greet one another with a holy kiss, in Peter, it's greet one another with the kiss of love. So it would be a mistake, wouldn't it? Therefore, to say that this command is peculiarly needed at the church in Thessalonica. It might be, and it wouldn't be wrong to hunt in the uh, letter for some indications that this was connected, this holiness and this kiss were connected with other things. But I think there's a flag waving. Don't press on that too far, because Paul said this to several churches, not just to the church at Thessalonica. So what, what is he saying? What, what does this command greet all the brothers? And brothers there might be a focus on the men only. But not necessarily. It might also be that the word brothers, which is often the case, the, the word brothers and sisters are the same word with a different ending in Greek, adelphos, adelpha, and uh, sometimes the, the masculine covers both brothers and sisters, like the word siblings. And that may be the case here. Or it might be that if he wants the brothers to get their act together, if the, if the men in the church could become mature enough to have the kind of affection for one another and the kind of holy affection for one another that Paul senses, then it will work itself out appropriately in their relationship and expressions with women. 
Either way, the women are going to be significantly involved in the kind of affection there ought to be in the church and the kind of expressions of affection there ought to be in the church. But greet one another with a kiss surely means that there should be a family affection in the church with appropriate expressions, outward expressions of that affection. That's at least what the kiss means. And the word holy means don't make it a romantic kiss. Don't let there be any sexual element in it. Remember, sanctify, may God sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. A holy body is crucial. And that's not the only place, of course, that he said that. Remember back in chapter 4, this is the will of God, your holiness, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles. So it's just as clear as day that putting holy here in front of this kiss rules out every hint of manipulation or sexual advance or romantic kindling. It is not that way. It is family affection. And if, you're, if that's foreign to you, you need to grow into it rather than forcing into a kiss. The only thing you know from movies or experience, namely romance and, and sex, there are holy kisses, not just romantic and sexual kisses. Now, what, what in the letter would suggest that Paul wanted them to really take seriously this affection. And let me remind you of this, this section in chapter 2. We were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children, so being affectionately desirous of you. So like a, like a mother taking care of her children, that kind of affection Paul felt for them. We were ready to share with you not only the gospel, but our own selves, our souls, because you had become very dear to us. So this letter had stressed in several places that Paul wanted to awaken in the church as imitators of his apostolic pattern, significant family affection, hence the kiss. And the word holy is to say, whenever there's a kiss, let it be a holy kiss. Like um, 1 Timothy 2.8, I desire that in every place men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Does that mean that the only proper way for men to pray is with their hands in the air. I doubt it. I think it means it was a very common practice, and Paul wanted to say, whenever those hands are in the air in prayer, let them be holy hands. In other words, I pray 
that you would always, if you're going to lift your hands, lift holy hands. Come to God with clean hands. And I think here he's not saying that there's a specified number of times you must kiss each other, places you must kiss each other, but rather every time you do kiss each other to show brotherly or sisterly affection, let it be holy. And the reason I'm not inclined to think that this is a command for a certain quantitative um, number of kisses that you need to give in a month or a year is that you just, it just doesn't work. If you say this is a command that we must all kiss each other X number of times, what are they going to be? And you say, well, whenever you greet each other, well, does that mean uh, if somebody walks out of the room and comes back in, they should be kissed? Does it mean every day that you run across each other? Does it mean morning and night? Does it mean running across each other five times in a day? And you realize that I'm, I'm making it sound silly because it would be silly, right? This, this cannot be broken down into a quantitative or regulatable command. This is a command to experience and to show family affection to each other. And kissing is one significant way to do it. And if, if you write this off and say, well, that was their way, we shake hands. <laughs> Maybe, but that assumes that every culture has some form that would be suitably comparable to a holy kiss. I don't believe that. I think there are family structures, tribal structures, social structures that are dysfunctional, sinfully defective, shot through with um, deadness of affections. And some people need to be awakened. Like you may have grown up in a family where there was no affection whatsoever. Dad never touched mom except when he wanted sex. He never kissed the kids. He never said anything tender to the kids. And those kids grow up having no idea instinctively how to relate to another person with affection except sexually. That's a tragedy. So I do not assume that every system of family, every culture has a nice alternative to a kiss of love or a holy kiss. I'm saying this, this command right here may have a great deal to say to a church, to a culture. You need to grow. You need to grow. When was the last time you ever kissed anyone in a non-sexual, holy, brotherly, affectionate way? And you may say, never. I haven't done that in 20 years. That's probably not good. Let me give you some examples. I don't, I don't kiss people regularly. It's not a pattern of my life, but I kissed my father regularly because he left home so often in his travels right up until I was 18 years old. And after that, every time I saw him, I kissed my father on the cheek, kissed my mother, I kissed my sister when I see her. When I visit the hospital, for example, a good friend of mine died about a month ago. He was 76 years old, and we used to eat lunch together, not often, but often enough to maintain our affections. And I had never kissed him, but I knew I'd never see him again. And I knelt down 
And I said, John, I love you. I love you. And I kissed him on the forehead. And you know, in the hospital, um, when people are dying or very sick, some older women in particular uh, are, are ashamed because, for example, if they've been wearing a wig because their hair is poor, and in the hospital they are without all their uh, preparations to look nice, and they feel embarrassed about you, I kiss those women. <laughs> like an 85, 90-year-old woman who's all glassy-eyed and ready to go to be with Jesus, I'm going to get down there and show her heartfelt pastoral affection. So I'm just um, offering you, commending to you that we all grow in what this would look like. And I doubt that we should rule out that word and say, oh, really, it's just a, it's just a hug. Hugging matters. You can see that here in, in Acts 20. And when he had said these things, Paul, to the elders getting ready to say goodbye from Miletus, he knelt down and prayed with them, and there was much weeping on the part of all. And they embraced Paul. They fell on his neck, and they kissed him, being sorrowful, most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. So maybe that's where you can grow. As you say goodbye to people in some long-term decisive way, give them a kiss on the cheek and look them in the eye and say, I love you. You are a precious, precious friend and brother to me.